Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, it's been a, an interesting week of rugby. Me and Murph have been moaning for the last couple of weeks, particularly me, about the fact that all we've been talking about is uh, is COVID and uh, the teams that have been stuck in South Africa. And I think we've had a, a pretty exciting weekend of rugby, if not uh, if not perfect. So uh, who better to bring in uh, than the mighty Murph and no. yes and Yeston George? How are we doing, fellas? Very well, thanks, Jared. Good to, yeah, pretty uh, good, mate. Cheers. Good, good to have you with us. Um, yes, and I thought of you as I was watching the Cardiff game because um, it felt like a throwback to a previous era. It felt like it was a tour game. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was it was uh, a combined East Wales fifteen against South Africa, and South Africa had you know all full Springboks in the side. You knew that they were never going to win, but the sense of excitement and the the noise of the crowd and everything about it. Honestly, I think the first twenty minutes of that game was the most enjoyable part of rugby I've seen all season. It's rumbustuous. Is the was the atmosphere, wasn't it? It, it felt like. Um... It was. I had to keep on pinching myself, saying, "Am I just getting carried away as a, an aging rugby fan, uh, watching some romantic, uh, doomed to failure exercise?" But it was. You're absolutely right. I never thought about it as a touring match, but it was. It was exactly like that. Um, r- remarkable atmosphere created. So many, so many questions. So many issues that it raises about. Do we just love this? kind of idea was it just a one-off if it happened every you know but the idea of players from the lower reaches being catapulted into into the first team mm. um the fact that they were the, the also the nature of the way that Cardiff decided to play which was tap and go mm. chaos theory um the fact that you could see you know kids like Cabango on the pitch, you know, being one minute being smashed to the ground and the next minute getting up and 
darting through the you know the European champions, seeing players like Botham uh, coming completely coming to age in eighty minutes of rugby, mm. and seeing as if uh, looking you know players with some experience suddenly becoming incredibly authoritative, supportive of each other. I mean, it really it every box in my <laughs> kind of small tiny world was ticked really <laughs> right down to the hit right down to hymns and arias it was just it, the atmosphere was better there than it was when i went to see wales play yeah. you know in the principality mm. i do you know what yeah so much of this is about the atmosphere and i think that i mean the amount of apathy that regional rugby has been greeted with rightly or wrongly for the best part of 20 years i think it just showed what rugby does mean in um, in Wales, and uh, I've no doubt that if you know if the the Scarlets game had had gone ahead in similar circumstances, we'd have seen something similar there as well. I think that kind of siege mentality was 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 fantastic. Honestly, I think any one of those players should be able to walk in to any pub in Cardiff and just demand a free pint at any point. Or there there is always there is always one on on me. On any for any one of those players, I was just so <laughs> impressed with the the um, the intensity at which they played the game, you know. And to have, obviously, you've got you you do have class on there. You've got Ellis Jenkins and Josh Adams and Halaholo and Thomas Williams all had brilliant games, but you know to be peppered with this kind of dirty dozen scenario of Dan Fish coming out of retirement for the third time this season. Uh, alongside, you know, uh, you know, alongside Jason Tavi and uh, and you know, the, the, I can't even remember his name. A school teacher coming off the bench at Hooker. I, it, it was just, and like you say, alongside youngsters like like Beetham and uh, and Cabango, who have never been exposed to anything like that. But every single one of them standing up and just putting in a shift. And I even thought, you know, like the when yeah, Cabango got bumped, didn't he, for for the try. But the read was spot on. You know, it was it was a massive overlap, and fine. He stood, you know, he just went for it, and the timing was perfect. But just just that bit of uh, that, you know, that absolute power. There's no disgrace in getting in getting bumped by Peter Aki. So I was um, I was so impressed with with all of them. I it's just to stand up in that in that degree of adversity after everything that's going on. Fair play. I think it, it does show what um, what rugby means in Wales and what it and what it means in Cardiff. So I was I was mighty impressed with every every single one of them, and, and all and the same goes for the coaching staff. Uh, if if um, if if Dupont hadn't played, they might have lost. Do you know what? It was almost yeah. Mm. Yeah, thought it, that. It was, it, yeah. If you know, he was the he was the one that wasn't rattled, and and Tamak was rattled. They were all rattled. They all made they all made significant mistakes. And the amazing thing was to see scrum one. Oh yeah, okay, here we go. Scrum two. Okay, you know they're getting they're going to get smashed. Now you fully expected it to be scrum thirteen, and it was going to be carrying on. And guess what? Cardiff got themselves somehow clawed themselves back into having a half decent scrum as the game progressed because because. Because they'd rattle them in the other areas of the pitch, you know, you, you, a scrum doesn't function independently of the rest of the game. So because Cardiff had, had made them blow blow themselves out a little bit in the other areas of the game by keeping them moving, and it, like players like Yestin Harris, I thought was absolutely amazing. 
Mm. Seb Davis, again, he's proving himself to be a player who is is prepared. He's, you know, much as I love the basketball playing antics of a second row or a back row forward, he also, he showed the dog. He did, he, he toughened, you know, he did all the, the nasty, dirty work. And that's why I can't speak highly enough about both them. Ellis Jenkins was great, as you would expect, really, to be certain to a certain extent. And Robinson, you'd expect to be always mm. game and and competitive at the breakdown. I thought both of them was just different class. If, if I'm honest, and I'm not sure I've ever said this on air, I was a little bit sceptical about the hype around both them prior to yesterday. And I thought, you know, like, yeah, he's not, you know, he's good. I've seen some some bright sparks, but I wasn't sure, you know, when he was in the Wales squad last last autumn, whether that was all built a little bit off potential rather than, than kind of what we've seen today. And again, I'm sure Cardiff fans would, would slate me for, for saying that and saying I hadn't, I hadn't kind of watched him closely enough. But it, it was a mighty impressive performance. And again, he's a young guy who was better. And is he a number, is he an... Is he? Are we looking at another converted number eight like Wainwright? Maybe, maybe, maybe. There is a shortage, so it's always did. possible. But they, they've allegedly and, uh, signed Falatel, so yeah. um, he's he's so played better. A, in the, the, go on, yes. No, I was just going to say it was just the fact that he in a retreating scrum that he could still make yards. That yeah. was the thing. It wasn't his whole his all round game was tremendous, but yeah. that, there were a couple of scrums where he. He made all the difference with his pick up, pick and go. Yeah, well, it's probably the best performance in an eight shirt for Cardiff since Nick Williams left. Like the other boys they've tried since. That's a bit harsh on the likes of, say, Ben Murphy or whoever else had a go. But that is probably. Yeah. Um, Ratty and Turnbull's put in a good few shifts, to be fair. But I, but I, but in that level, that level of game. You know, against the quality of opposition that you're playing against, mm. and from a from a guy that young, it was uh, yeah, yeah it, it in was a, hugely impressive. In, yeah, in a scrum in reverse as well. So um, uh, the the I would agree with everything you've just said. Uh, the the partisan nature of the crowd and the like, it felt like a, uh, mm. like like a touring game in so much that it was like a festival atmosphere yeah. as well. And you know, the, every every slight mistake was just pounced on by the crowd. It Beautiful, wasn't really it? really felt retro to me. Yeah. All I was missing was like a brass band before kickoff and, you know, all the old the old cliches of old rugby. Like in Cardiff, I don't know if you two would remember, there was always a stink, a real strong stink of cigar smoke <laughs> floating throughout the stand <laughs> during a kickoff. Uh, that's one of the memories from when I was a kid. Um, that's, the, that's the difference between watching rugby in Cardiff and Newport, though, isn't it? Because in Cardiff, it's, it's, cigar, <laughs> it's cigars. And yeah. uh, it's in, in Newport, it's uh, it's yeah, Super Kings or dare, I say, or dare I say it, Rothmans. <laughs> yeah, or, or Rollies. Um, <laughs> um, well, there's a like an ex-Wanderers WhatsApp group of boys my age who played at the club and Griff... Uh, Reese, yeah. who coached the team yesterday, is a very good mate of mine, and he's on there, and everyone's congratulating him. And I wanted to congratulate him, but I, uh, what I wanted to say was, what thirty-nine seven, the f- Toulouse could have easily scored that against the first choice team. Absolutely. You know, if it kind of been full strength, they could have scored forty points uh, uh, in that game. Um, but I had to keep my <laughs> I had to keep my mouth shut because Richard Hodges is also on <laughs> that yeah. WhatsApp group, and he, I know he's in really tough situation with quarantine and uh, different things, and he's got a young family and all that. So I, I'll have to wait till I see Griff and tell him privately yeah, think... that, um, that that you know that could have been the see the score. It probably would if it was the first thing, they probably would have scored more points. Yeah, but. 
concede, you know, conceding-wise, uh, defence-wise. I mean, it could have easily been 40 against that side. But a massive, a massive hats off to uh, to Griffin and the rest of the coaching team for getting them so pumped up for the game and refusing to roll over. It, you know, with seventy minutes on the clock and the game has been dead mm. and buried for fifteen minutes, everyone wanted wanted to keep playing to the to the absolute death. And the the line speed was still as good as it could be with seventy minutes on the clock and players blown out their ass and mm. you know and, and semi pros coming off the bench. I was just um mm. yeah, I, I mean I know there is a danger that we're over romanticizing it because that's what we do and we've got Yestin on the show. But it's <laughs> um yeah, I, I just thought it was magnificent. It felt like it was you know, another another analogy would be like the kind of it was like, you know, watching Henry Cooper take on Muhammad Ali, you know, where you got to see you got to see um some real spirit and, and, and kind of the early knockdown and that bit of hope of thinking, Oh my god, is this incredible upset on the cards? But then you also had the out and out class of DuPont, which is just and again, hats off to you know, it was just funny watching the Cardiff fans, you know, when when he put that crossfield kick in um for the winger to score. Um that was genius. I can't remember which ring it was, but like the load, it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful, like it's a kind of Tiger Woods golf shot. It was, a, it was mm. just incredible, that low trajectory on it, and you know Josh Adams's mouth was a gasp. He was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that was funny that? actually." Yeah, but yeah. again, you could just, you know, you saw, you saw the Cardiff fans go, "Well, hats off, that's brilliant." You know, it, it was just, yeah, it, it's mad for a game that was never ever going to be. Uh, the result was never in doubt to have produced that much joy um and and reinvigorated um reinvigorated yeah my love of watching european rugby and i just hope that the club kicks on and they have a really good uh you know they they have a really good festive period apart from against the dragons yeah there's a uh, big feel good yeah. factor i think on the back of that game around the club and also uh, how far in are we are we about 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in uh, 13 i reckon Murphy. 13 minutes in and we have we still have yet to mention dupont's handoff uh, which one <laughs> well, there's like one. A pistol, there was a few, but there was one in particular where, because most people when they do a, a nice clean handoff, it's usually top of the head, forehead, or or maybe close to the neck, and then what happens is the defender can't get their arms around you, and, and you're gone. You know, but one of them, I, I, I'll have to re- replay it again uh, at home. But one of them looked like he handed someone off in the hip. Someone came close to him, and because he's so squat, he pushed him, sort of pushed their hip away, and then by the time they'd recovered, he was gone again. He's, he is, he is unreal. I know all the plaudits are on him, and I mean he's will play of the year. So, but I think the TV people covered it as well. He, he just, he just stood out a mile. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Paul Williams actually, the um, journalist. He said seeing him in the flesh at ground level is just, he just stands mm-hmm. out a mile, just at the absolute class of oozes off him yeah and to have the courage to you know to, again in part of a great team part of two great teams that he's part of but to actually when everybody else was getting a bit shy and dropping the bullet line out and all the all the back all the back moves weren't quite clicking and stuff like that for him to actually turn around and just grab really grab the game like by the scruff of the neck i mean like yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yes, it's cliche. Um, it is. Is like Gareth Edwards' mm. kind of style of. Mm. Oh, 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 I better go and score. I better go and sort it out then. And to do that in the modern game is just 
you know, it's almost impossible for for one single player to just dominate, you know, a game like that with 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 such determination and character. It's not just his incredible ability and skill. It's actually it takes guts to do it. Character. That's what he's got. He's got character. In many ways, it wasn't a modern game, which was just the the kind of the sheer beauty. I mean, this this is mental, isn't it? Like how much we're raving about a game that finished 39 points to seven but it, there, there's just yeah I there is something to be said for the the spirit that the game was played in the courage that the that those that those Cardiff lads played from you know and as a team unit and, and I just think that it's, it's really important now that they that they kick on and it's not flash in the pan and this is all forgotten in January when they've lost away to Connacht or something like that you know it's I just hope that it does that they that they're able to to do something because I think it's important for rugby in Wales to have days like that. You know, you can, I can only imagine what the atmosphere was like on on the ground. Like you say, it, it came across on the the telly magnificently, and I can I can only mm. imagine that the um, that the Arms Park was rocking. It's you know mm. it, it's you know it's good when there's a sellout down there anyway. But that that well, felt like an old school atmosphere. I keep peering sellout, but on TV well, it wasn't can... it wasn't a sellout, but it was close no. to yeah yeah. You could see you know yawning gaps in the in the stand and the, and the terrace, but sometimes they. Uh, well, I, t- I tell you the, big, the good comparison would be Boxing Day. Yeah, because Boxing Day they, they could probably sell it twice on Boxing Day. Mm. So we'll see if it if it compares you know with yesterday's because there was definitely uh, space around the edges yesterday. The other thing to consider, Chad, is how much did the preamble to the game? Uh, how much did the publicity? How much? How much did that galvanise everybody? You know, it's not just a case of everybody turned up and then got excited. It is actually to do with the, and so how much of the, the the sort of media coverage of of the game actually creates those things. Those, you know, and the fact is that in the competitions normally, you know, the Welsh media is small and mm. in, and insignificant, and so everybody's not really maybe as galvanised as they would be normally. I don't know. I mean, it's worthwhile thinking about whether that had a part to play and whether the, the media has a part to play in getting everybody as excited for that game as they will do I think for the it, next I think game, it was bigger you know? I think it was bigger than the Welsh media though that's the thing is I think um yeah you know there, there was obviously there was there was a degree of that but I think actually the fact that it was on channel four made a big difference as well for the first game and the narrative that I, I didn't see all of the all of the pre-match build-up but it was good to have Miles Harrison on comms and you know the guys the guys are pro and you know, he, he he did it in in quite a good way. There was a pitch side rep, um, match with him where he kind of just alluded to to what it meant uh, to that game. And I don't know. Again, I, I'm probably over romanticising this massively, but it did feel like it was th- there was a, a that siege mentality kind of applied to the city rather than to to just yeah. to just well, just fans yeah, of the club. What I, what I'm suggesting is that the the fact is that the narratives that we normally give in pre-match preparation or pre-match hype are not good enough that mm-hmm. the, if you are if you're involved in public relations and communications you've got to do a job that actually invigorates and excites the public yeah. and so that was a story that was kind of easy i'm not saying that every week is going to be like that but i i could but all that kind of we've seen countless preamble you know, TV adverts for 
the, for instance, for the for the for the local derbies, and they're always just blood and thunder, cliche, mm. cliche, blah blah blah. It's like, oh, we've been here before. It's just we're rebadging the same old content every year. Yeah. And I think you just have to work harder. You, yeah, I think it's the broadcaster's job and it's the media's job to work harder to hype these games in order to get them to to really connect with people. When I use the word hype, it's a negative thing, but you understand what I mean. In that if you can really truly tap into what people really care about a sport or care about the club, you know, that's where extra chiefs to you know obviously in the, at the heart of you know a controversy at the moment but that's why you know clubs like that develop their own kind of you know narrative it helps or that they're winning though yes Lens- or you know or, or leinster or yeah exactly you know, these, these, the, these the, are those... sides who play me yeah, exeter play meaningful rugby week in week out and yeah, but, uh, go, uh, go uh, on uh, sorry i i think it's a really good point there yes because the narrative could or should be um, from the media surrounding the Welsh clubs is these teams are hopelessly out-resourced and money exactly. and financed and everything else. But guess what? On Saturday, they're going to have a right old crack, mm. <laughs> yeah. which is basically what last week was. Like That, that was obviously an extreme example. But, uh, you know, it, it generally seems to be, uh, um, you know, uh, the Ospreys are going to play Leinster and, um, they, you know, they might be okay, you know that kind of thing. But if they if they sell it and you know we're massive underdogs every time we go on the pitch, like it, it you know, it's what I, I don't know. I don't know what the comparison is, is in football. Well, it's it's Wimbledon. It's Wimbledon. It's the crazy gang. It's yeah, yeah. The, it's 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 why say Burnley fans. It's why Crystal Palace, for instance. We you know we yeah. talked about this off uh, before with Jed. You know the the atmosphere. The, those games they create that atmosphere because they know they're always, always it's, going to be the underdog. It's, it's yeah, a, it's, it's a almost point. Uh, like um, the, the regions are championship clubs. Yeah, but taking but it, on Premiership it, opposition every uh, week. That, yeah, that's not that's not the case when they're playing Zebre, obviously. But you know when they it's when not they, a when million they go to miles Europe. away, is it? Yeah, no. Europe or to the Irish side, uh, you know, yeah. it, it is like Just, that, and. Um, you're right. That's that's not something that you should be like. Oh, well, this is an excuse for losing. It should be the thing that riles you up to really want to to want yeah. to achieve. Let's, and... let's stick it up these wealthy ponces. But yeah. you can't. It's very difficult for the for the Welsh media to to accept the fact because they don't want to be talking down the products because the regions aren't going to accept that. They're going to be upset by the fact that they're being sold as a as a as a. But I I think everybody in, in everybody. If everybody if everybody was in agreement about the situation, and if everybody looked at the real truth of the issue, well, everyone, I mean, I, everyone I've got no rugby closely knows that they, they they've got no money hmm. relative yeah, to other and clubs. I've got no t- I've got no time for that. But, you know, there's no point. You can't criticise Leinster for being yeah. massively resourced. <laughs> yeah. no. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's ridiculous. It's like criticise. You know, mm. it's just mm. ludicrous. You know, they are. They've got. They've done really, really well. And they've done really well to resource their their region, and therefore they should be applauded for having done the job that they've done. But you know, I, I understand the sort of the resentment in football, for instance, for for clubs who are just you know sort of check you know checkbook sort of led sort of clubs, but. But yeah, we we need to tell a different story, basically, is what I'm saying. Well, it, and I think that we can, we've this yesterday or sorry Saturday was an example of 
telling a, mm. a different story and making people excited. It's a great about point, a product. Just, yeah. yeah. If anyone from uh, if anyone from the club is listening, Murph has just given the perfect slogan for the away day to Harlequins next week, which is "Let's stick it up these wealthy ponces." Um, I think it'd be, it's going to be you're going to be hard pressed to come up with anything better than that. But do you know is it because like you know I see it so much and I don't know again like kind of working in in the industry a little bit. I just get fed up of these tropes of just like we are Cardiff rugby. It's like yeah you you've said your name. That's nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we are England cricket. It's like, this is bullshit. None of this means anything. Yeah. Like, just, yeah, to tell, tell a story to your, you know, to your fans that's going to get them excited. And it's a, it's a hard thing to do. I think it's one it's, thing to do it when it's Toulouse and you, your back's against the wall. It's hard when it's, when it's Connacht at home in this, in this bullshit league. That yeah, we're but at the same time, you just have a picture of two players with their arms folded looking hard. Yeah on the poster yeah. it's just not enough no it's not it's I agree. just not I enough agree. you don't the players the players can't sell the thing it's like saying so imagine Keir Starmer puts on a, a skin tight shirt and then wears you know and then folds his arms and that's the poster for the Labour for the Labour Party for the next general election I mean maybe he'll get away with it power stance I reckon power you know, stance yes yeah power <laughs> stance for, for that's Keir's power stance WRU take over. Yeah. Oh no, it's unfair. It's always the WRU get get it in the neck. You know, rugby clubs <laughs> rugby clubs take over the marketing of political parties and suddenly everybody's just got a power stance and then then it's like, okay, fair enough. Who are you gonna vote for? Yeah. With a picture, you've got to have with a a message, picture of a meaningless a story, trophy in man. the middle. Yeah, the, yeah. Exactly. The James Bevan knows. trophy. Like Yeah. Yeah, and it's just that's that's what you just gotta tell. There's there's you know, there's there's so many great people out there doing really imaginative, interesting stories and kind of galvanizing people and getting people to turn up, you know, to, to things. And we, we just got to work harder at it. You know, it's just not enough to say we are, like you said, mm. uh, you know, uh, we have an identity. Well, what is your you identity? Yeah, we, we, have a, we have a name. Yeah, you know, it's it's just not um, it's not enough. And, and look, you know, the identity thing might open up a massive wormhole, but... Um, you know, Cardiff, whether you agree with it or not, have gone back to the to the Cardiff branding, which obviously identifies with the the previous version of the you know the the, the amateur era version of the club, the pre regional version, and and I and I, if I'm honest, I think that probably helps shift a few more a few more tickets or or, or generate a bit more interest uh, than a than a fraction you know than the the Cardiff Blues version of the identity, which is a little bit of a lager shandy. Do you know what I mean? It's like it was neither one thing nor the other. It was. Um, you're never going to get but, you're never going to get Ponty fans supporting a team with Cardiff in the name, but half the half the bloody first team are, are boys from Ponty, you know. And and, and I'm not well, saying I that's was, right. That, yeah. that, that there's no team from Ponty to to support, but if you are working for Cardiff, you've got to make it work. You've got to I'll make tell that you what, team you, work. What, what would be effective is like the idea of everybody was talking about Aberavon yesterday, yeah. right? It was like, you know, if, if regional players were going and from, you know, coming from Aberavon and playing for the, for, for Cardiff rugby, that, that was, that was something that people could connect with. It's the same if you said that these people are from pont de Prix, you know, it, it's, it's almost like having your, you know, like, you know, like clubs have, like Bath has always got a little, the little, you know, national identity yeah. badge on the, on their shirt, you know, it's almost like you need that kind of, I think you need to tap into that sort of going, you can tap into that regional identity 
or their local identity and bring it into the the club. So, I, I I'm, it's been my bugbear with Ospreys, for instance, is that there's no sense of where these people are from and where they come from and what they, and the clubs that they play for regularly or the cl- junior clubs they played for, you know, with even with the Christianza story that that everybody grabbed, everybody grabbed that because he was from Whitchurch or you know he's studying Exeter you know that kind of the, the, these these stories mean things to people you know they want to identify people from you know when you got people from Clodagh and Pontypridd you know thinking they're in different they're practically in different time zones even though they're only about half a mile away from each other you you know you, I think it's really important to sort of I don't know with you, Murph. You must feel this stronger than I, much stronger than I do, because of the Wanderers' link mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, that so so many players have gone from that club and gone to play for for Cardiff. Well, this sounds like in a roundabout way. This sounds like an indictment of academies, because the academies yeah. pick players up early, rob them of their local identity. Obviously, turn up, you know. Uh, What's the word? Uh, uh, generic rugby players to, to feed up into professional rugby, and um, the the weird thing about yesterday was all these players were playing in Premiership rugby or whatever standard they were playing, and they would have to be drafted in to make the numbers. And suddenly, there's loads of identity on the pitch, and everyone's interested in it, rather than just these kind of bland academy products, which is I don't know how you solve that really. Well, also, least... I also I'm not I, I, unless Jed apologises for insulting Shandy, I'm not I'm doing, <laughs> not doing the rest of his podcast. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with Shandy. Oh yeah, uh, on a Sunday, on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm having a Guinness myself. Mate, but... I didn't have you down as a as a as a Shandy drinking. I'm not a Shandy guy, no, honest, but yeah. you know, I, it's harsh, harsh. You know, Mrs. Murphy is a committed Shandy drinker. But yeah, well, <laughs> there you have it. Um, look, we're going to take we're going to take a very quick break. When it comes to the second half, I'm sure we're going to tread onto this uh, this issue of uh, of identity and and regional rugby and and how the regions kind of kick on, particularly when we go into into the Christmas period when you know tr- traditionally we have those kind of half decent crowds. So we're definitely going to do that. We'll have a look at uh, the Dragons and Ospreys games as well, and and touch on the other news. And who knows, we maybe even might have time for a little trawl through uh, the Rothmans Rugby Yearbook 95, 96. <laughs> um, so all of that is coming up after this very quick break. Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that first half, boys. Um, it was like, uh, yeah, exactly like I said, like the first 20 minutes of the uh, of the Cardiff game uh, on, uh, on Saturday. Um, some really interesting stuff that you that you've touched on there like i think particularly the i mean the, the we haven't got we haven't got all night so whenever we open the the issues of identity and regional rugby and everything else i i do think it's it's a bit of a dangerous thing because you you can't look back and go well the days were better when we had you know when we had 12 sides in the you know in the in the top flight and all the stuff like that because it, it doesn't matter there's no there's, there's there's not enough money for four decent sides now yet alone 12 um but it is a question of how you get people engaged with it and and you're right there Murph you know obviously a lot of those players come through an academy system so they're not 22 years old and playing for the Wanderers or playing for Tybach or whoever it's but at the same time they there, there will have been some 
degree of uh, engagement at a club. You know, Warburton did a bit of the Wanderers. You know, obviously Dan Fish is heavily linked to the Wanderers, and um, I think that there there should be there should be more done to to kind of identify with the with those clubs. I know they're not feeder clubs per se, but like you know, in the same way that every um, you know that barbarians players always wear their club socks and stuff like that, and and I love some of those stories around it. You know, Jerry Collins wearing whatever it was Barnstable or or something because he he turned out for a training session with them. Um, and on that tie back point, Richard Hibbard wore wore those socks when he when he played um, for the Barbarians a few years ago, rather than you know rather than his Osprey socks or whatever. And I think that's like stuff like that. I think is. Um, there will be players who identify with clubs, even if they've only played five or ten games for them um, at, at Premiership level, because that's been a significant part of their development. Even if they weren't their man and boy, you know, drinking and smoking behind the bike sheds, like you know, like the the romanticised version would would suggest. So I don't know. I, I I've always thought it like you know, the Dragons. It was obvious when the the money went from them early doors that yeah, you'd made a bungle job of calling this side. Newport Gwent Dragons and it, it sat as a nothing thing you know it sat somewhere in between and even now Dragons doesn't really mean anything like I know Gwent is a, a kind of a, a, a relatively modern and and defunct concept but it does kind of mean something in rugby terms you know I think there is there are there are clubs within that Gwent, Gwent region that have brilliant and proud history and Gwent or Monmouthshire you know has um has uh, has done you know has um, you know they turned out as Monmouthshire in in years gone by. I just think that that not enough. So many of these things. It was such a half-assed, halfway house to begin with. That we're now in a position where you've got to find that way forward. And you've got to to find ways of getting people excited and and going going to the stadium and 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 getting engaged with it. Because if I'm honest, like I've said a million times, the league isn't going to do that. Well, my my feeling is that I I always kind of uh, my contributions to this amazing podcast are usually based on pure romanticism and uh, retrospective viewing and I always think you're just what are you doing yes you're just you know you're just pissing and pissing you know pissing in the air um but actually yesterday was was an indication of what could happen mm. You know, in a, in a, oh, it was certainly gave clues to how <laughs> something could, how some level of engagement could be created. You can't. I'm not saying it's the. It, it, yesterday was a microcosm of everything. It's going to be like this forevermore. But it certainly indicated something. It gave something. It gave us a sense of spirit that we haven't seen. And it wasn't. It it, it was. Yeah, like you say, it might be forgotten mm. in February, but I think I don't think anybody's going to forget that day or that you know. And everybody's got. I, th- I think it's something to build on, is what I'm mm. saying. I'm trying to say that it actually it's not pissing the wind. It is. There is. It, there are opportunities there, and I can see now that that means something. It's not just idle romanticism. It means something, and you can build on it. And and. Cardiff Rugby are probably the first, you know, organization, first sort of organization in who recognized the importance of authentic, some sort of creating an authentic identity. And then they, through, through 
no fault of their own have been thrust into this situation and done really well with it. It's back to the football and the way that the Welsh football team and the Welsh football, the W, you know, the the FA of Wales has, has engaged with its public in a more effective way, ten times mm. more effective way than than the WRU has done with its with its public. Mm. And and you just got it. And what's all that down to? Things like the use of the Welsh language, uh, recognition of where the people come from, um, an acknowledgement that everybody has to play a part, the players have to play a part in it. It's not just, you know, all of a, a very sophisticated and well thought out strategy that that has brought people together. And it's not just because, you know, tragic, they've lost, tragically lost a, a manager and all those things. It's much, much more than that. It's not just a simple answer. And that's, Welsh Rugby can do that. There's no question they can do it. The, the, but but they need to they need to not just be banging out crap messages and shit marketing and they need to they need to recognise what's real about all this mm. bland messages mm. bland bland yeah. is it actually isn't it like I mm. there's there's some hilarious examples of um, of I'll have to try and dig them out if uh, if anyone's interested but of the way um, Brazil rugby market themselves. Because they know they're crap, they market themselves in this way of um, they're like you know it was like at the the South American Championships you know over the course of uh, you know over the course of ten years Argentina have got no better Brazil have improved two hundred percent because they've gone from like you know tenth to tenth to eighth or something and I just thought well you know having a sense of humour or just a point of difference is a really really good and exciting thing rather than you know the the general uh, generic tropes and platitudes that we get that you get fed by every every rugby club every sports organization up and down up and down the country um and it's hard I, you know I, I know it's hard it's one thing doing it for for Toulouse at home when your back's against the wall and you feel like your club's fighting for existence it's a different thing when it's um when it's zebra in the middle of in the middle of January and it's it's a largely meaningless game. It, it is hard, but I just think that yeah, there there is so much that that's there to be done, and it's and it's and it's worth fighting for because we need some some kind of club rugby in Wales to cling, you know, to cling on to. Murph, you're not yeah, totally you're agree. not in the way there, Murph. I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, uh, <laughs> you'd have to give me a more specific question. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to say I agree. Um. Yeah, it, well, listen, we've been over this, I suppose everyone in Welsh rugby has been over this many times before, but regional rugby happened because there was too many teams and mm. not enough money. It's a tiny country and you can't support all these teams on the basis of uh, a, a small area of South Wales. Mm. So it had to be cut and no one liked the way it was cut. Um, and I don't know what else they could have done. But we are where we are, like you say, and now it's got to, what, what you've got has got to work better. Mm. And the trouble is, over the last uh, what, 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 was it two thousand and four? They went regional. Yeah. So we're yeah, up to four, yeah, we're four, up to seventeen it? years of regional rugby, and aside from the Galacticos at Ospreys for a while, there's been very little 
you know, successor, even when the Galacticos to the Ospreys. I mean, if you look back at the team on paper oh, right. of what was playing for the Ospreys, the crowds were pathetic. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you had Tommy Bow on one wing and Shane Williams on the other. Uh, Marty Holler, Tia Tia, all sorts of names. But Justin Marshall with Mike Phillips on the bench. I mean, what? And there was, you know, 10,000 people maybe. Um, so they, they've got to, I mean, the, the problem is not clearly, clearly not solved. And they've got to keep finding a way, haven't they? And uh, what the, the kind of the way it's marketed, I suppose, is uh, a start. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And yeah, it's um, you're right. There's there's only kind of a, a few small pockets of, uh, yeah, that Galacticos Osprey side and, you know, the the Scarlet's going on the run to, to win... Um, to win the Pro 12 and the, uh, I suppose the, the the two Challenge Cups that Cardiff have won in that time as well. But yeah, you know, these things mm. are, are kind of are fleeting, aren't they? Yeah, there's been no consistent side, you know, you know, like say, for example, over that period, you could say that um, one or two of the Irish sides have been near the top the whole time. And the, the, we've had, like you say, you've mentioned there, uh, Ospreys have won the league and Scarlets had won the league but no no Welsh team has been regularly good and there's no reason why they can't be regularly good really well that is I mean but there's no reason in reality why they can't be regularly good um, more importantly in a way that, that they should be it should be exciting for the people to go mm. to mm. that's the thing yeah. it's about and it, that that will galvanise things and will help things. You know, mm. we otherwise let's just get rid of crowds completely and just call call the whole thing off. You know, um, just turn it into a TV. You know, a, yeah. a, t- a game just made for TV, which is what, as I said the other week, that that's what it felt feels like that the the Welsh Rugby Union are doing with 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 the Welsh team. Yeah, and I still say, and I, I said this to many people over many years. If there was a Welsh team, a Welsh regional team, any of them actually, but I just use the one local to me for as an example, Cardiff. If they were operating operating in the latter stages of the European Cup on a regular basis, or dare I say it, if they were the dominant force in Europe, like Saracens were in the last six or seven years, you'd struggle to buy a season ticket hmm. at Cardiff. Yeah, but they've never regularly been any good. Therefore. Attendances are average, and there's no. But it's it's chicken and the egg, obviously, because you you know you, yeah, you've got I, to string I some still, victories together. Yeah, but I still think it's not. I, I don't blame the players, and I don't blame the the, the talent on the pitch. I, I like I say, Crystal Palace don't do too bad. You know, um, hmm. Wim, Wim, Wimbledon didn't do too bad with a bunch of Herberts playing and for them. And you know, it's obviously some talented footballers, but. That kind of thing, that it starts. You know, Wales, the Welsh football team is not noticeably. It is noticeably more successful than it was, and the reason it's noticeably successful than what it was is because it has. Part of the reason is because it's because it's 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 galvanised everyone. Mm. You know, if the if the players if the if the crowds are turning up and being. If there's an engagement between the the people who go to watch the game and the people who play the game, if there's a if there's a closeness between them, everybody ups their game. Everybody improves, you know. And I I think there's no question that there's no question that 
the 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 Welsh regions would be better with great with more people in the stadium and with more with or at least with a sense of excitement about it and that the sense of jeopardy and the sense of that you know everyone is invested in it. Mm. It's I know what you mean. If you're right, you know it's not. It, it is ultimately a numbers game, but I think there are also you know you you've got to you, you know you can't deny that. That I mean, you know, the Park of Scarlet, for goodness sake, you know, is it ever, ever anywhere near, even when they were at their most successful, the only time it was full was for local derby, anywhere near full. Mm. You know, and these, all these stadia are not fit for purpose. No. For, for for the for the teams that are playing but, it, but it but it's the jeopardy there though yes and it's that's the that's the crucial thing for me you know whether it's jeopardy whether it's meaningful games or whatever we call it it all comes back to this because so much rugby yesterday there was something riding on it and it wasn't even the result of the game because we all knew that they were never going to beat they were never going to beat Toulouse but it was about a sense of occasion and pride and look they they won the the the, the battle for pride right and. There's just so many games that, yeah. that that mean absolutely jack squat, and I think if you were, yeah. you know, like I say, you can't go back to a to a ten team Premiership or a twelve team Premiership um, because, well, we we know why. Um, we're struggling to get four teams that that work, but there is just so much rugby that just simply doesn't work. You know, it, it means absolutely nothing. The league is such a mess. Like I've said it a million times, and look. It's very fashionable to bash the URC or the pro, whatever it is, and it, but there's a reason for that. It's because it's crap. Like it's just not a thing. No one cares. Like ask, you know, ask, um, ask Irish fans how the Welsh regions got on. They don't know. I, I, I it was only through looking at the the result, um, look, trying to look up who Cardiff were playing the following week that I realised Ulster had beaten Leinster at home, and it's like. That's a bit. That in theory is a big result, but it's it's just a mess because it's not it's not a coherent league, you know. And nothing has highlighted that more than than the last than the last three weeks. And there was a lot of um, anger directed the way of European rugby this week um, from Scarlet's fans, which I get because they weren't able to postpone the game. And you know, Toulouse I think postponed the game last year, didn't they? In you know, in circumstances not as mad as this, but really that anger should be directed at a league that's trying to take size to South Africa in a in the middle of a global pandemic and <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. now you say that out loud <laughs> yeah, it's nuts, it isn't it? yeah 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 um yeah. but yeah and, and even you know that's the thing is it's like you know on paper oh it's way more interesting having the stormers in the league it's not it doesn't mean anything like if you if you had a cup competition where the stormers were in it there is a degree of excitement about this you know doesn't it turn out that the we, we, we've been over this before? Doesn't it turn out it looks like the only reason the South Africans have been put into our league is so they can come into Europe next year? Well, there's that, and uh, you know, yeah. so it's not just us who are getting jumping into bed with the ridiculous situation. The European rugby, uh, absolutely, whatever they call yeah, themselves, yeah, yeah. is doing whatever the same thing, yeah. And the, and they, so, and, and you know, you talk about people diluting a you know, a good, a good tournament. That happened with the, um, you know, whatever that power struggle was in 2013 when they created the Champions Cup and, and all this kind of stuff. And it was way stronger when it was the Heineken Cup because people knew it and identified with it. And that was and that had a sponsor's name slapped all over it. 
And it's like you mm. can't create something out of thin air and then go, well, this is going to be better than it was before um, mm. without any real plan for how it was. I, you know, I understand the, the problem that it wasn't really a meritocracy before and we were guaranteed we were guaranteed entry pretty much. Only three of the Welsh regions qualified for for automatic, so did three of the Irish. And I kind of get that, that France and England had the ump about that, but has it has it been better since pro, uh, since 2013 or worse? I, I, I'd argue worse. But um, Yeah. Just backtracking, if you don't mind a sec, back to the um, Welsh FA uh, marketing and social media people. That campaign that was uh, alongside the 2016 Euros, which was, I think, uh, Together Stronger, mm. hashtag on Twitter, Together Stronger, that is still being ripped off now, six mm. years later. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the tournament was over, uh, Wales, we, we had the, vic- the victory parade and everything else in Cardiff. and uh, that, that social media guy or, or woman, or PR person or woman, whoever it was, um, was immediately poached by the English FA, and so uh, and I've noticed a lot see, of their campaigns sound very similar to that campaign. Well, and also, and, and to be fair to England, they 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 did a brilliant job in in demonstrating the humanity of their players in yeah. very difficult within within two years. They were uh, beaten finalists at twenty eighteen, were they? Semi-finalists, semi-finalists, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, they were. They they kind of they having been derided for being baby yeah. Bentley driving multi millionaire mm. prima donnas they're mm. suddenly human beings that everybody started identifying with mm. and and became had a political voice even you know all these things are yeah since all then, these yeah, things yeah. don't happen in glo- they don't happen by accident no. they do not happen by accident these are sophisticated you know. Um, Methods of media mm. management and communication. Yeah, I, de- you know, I definitely, I definitely think got, there's. A... To it. I love rugby though. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to that point where we, we've we've kind of completely <laughs> neglected. Just to finish, then there's definitely a middle road between where we are now with professional players. If you if you know what I mean, where they're just kind of, I don't know. Uh, worshipped on social media or whatever they are, and they're just pedestal type looks. And the t- for me, the type of cult heroes you get in um, Irish Gaelic sports. Mm. So they're all amateur. They're all from round the corner from you, and yet they're playing in the highest level in the country. And they're they're, they're like in that team for best part of twenty years. And for the, the they're just cult heroes from from their first good game until their last game and there's something we don't quite the welsh rugby team gets that i think but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to be the local boy being amazing and we all matter if he has a bad game or a good game we worship him that kind of cult following cult hero thing doesn't but again really happen it's a brilliant in the regions it's a brilliant point i mean yeah Yeah. part part of it i think is the is the amateur is the amateur status but secondly you're absolutely right i mean like if you look at and i'm sure we will briefly touch on the the dragons game right but you look at that side or the squad on paper so many of them are from uh, from Newport or surrounding areas, but you can't talk about Newport. You know what I mean? Because for a number of reasons, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're trying to do you're trying to do the regional thing, 
Um, you've also pissed off Newport RFC, again, for right or wrong, we won't go into that now, but you can't talk mm-hmm. about, you know, and the thing that you've, that you've touched on there, Murph, the cult hero, it's that relatable character. It's not mm-hmm. someone who is like Cristiano Ronaldo because that's not what, that's not what gets people to, 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 to relate to these, to these individuals. But, you know, is, is Harry Keddy a really nice bloke who just loves rugby and turns up and plays for his, plays for his side and plays his guts out every week? Yeah, a hundred percent on all of that, on all of those things. Tick, 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 mm. tick. Um, and is he a, lo- you know, is he a local boy? Uh, yes, but do we tell people that the side is full of that? No, mm. you know. Again, you know, he's it, there's, there's just all of it, all of these kind of missed opportunities. Ollie, you know, Ollie Griffiths is from Newport. Tame Basham's from Newport. Um, Elliot uh, Dees from Newport. Aaron Wainwright you know, is Aaron from Malpas. From Malpas. You know, all all of these things. It's it comes back to that to that bit of identity. You know, even if it's this this Gwent identity, but there's 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 heaps of them in there who are like that. And again, obviously the, the, the squad isn't, you know, isn't just that, but it's, um, it's something to hang your hat on because what are you going to do? Say, oh, well, we've got, you know, we've got bugger all money. That's why we lose. That's why we lose all but three games every season. You know, it's, um, <laughs> there, there is just a, a point about, um, about making people attached to, to a side that hasn't really existed prior to, to 17 years mm. before it. It was easier mm. for Cardiff to, to roll back the years on Saturday because it's Cardiff again now. Mm. Although, how, how was it? Sorry, can I... Sorry. Let's take... Uh, how was how the Dragons, Jeff? Um Decent for 50 minutes. Uh, Basham was outstanding again. Will Rollins is brilliant. Um, and then we took uh, three kicks to the corner... Uh, and got turned over over the line three times. Um, then a massive second row who stripped the ball from our entire pack whilst over the line on two occasions. And then um, Elliot D had his head taken off, but the fella only got a yellow because he was he was dipping. But if he'd have stood upright, he'd have had his head taken off as well. Um, so it was a complete bottle job from the from the officials. But it was a you know it was a. Uh, you know, probably a bottle job from the players. They're, I think they'll know they should have won that game. You just got you just got to put away. So Perpignan aren't um, aren't massively interested in this game because they're fighting for their own lives. They they played really poorly, and the Dragons will know they should have put them away. Um, but they're just a side that's completely void of confidence, and it showed unfortunately. Yeah. Um, can, uh, can I also put in a word for the um, Ospreys kit? Because then you want to let, let's let's just you know spend the rest of the pod talking about that. Mm, <laughs> grotesque, isn't what, it? What 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 was going on there then? I mean, is any any rhyme or reason for that? It's like camouflage with yellow sock uh, with orange socks. Yeah, it's a weird look, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it did um, it did very little for me. That um, yeah, I unfortunately I haven't seen the game. Um, but it's been a hell of a week for the Ospreys. I mean, the um, you know the story that has dominated has been the Ivan Phillips stuff, and that's um, you can only imagine how much that must that must rock a club, whether it's a local club or it's a or it's a, a fully professional club. I think um, it's uh, it's incredibly sad, and you know you just you hope for the best, but that must have had an impact on um, on preparations for that game. Yeah, 
they, um, was, they all wore the number two when they were yeah. training weren't they, mm. before the game. Am I the only one who got caught out by this uh, uh, story? Because I saw the fundraiser mm. before I even knew he'd had an accident. Am I the only one who got caught out of that? Uh, yeah, I got. I think you boys let me know about it. I again, I don't spend yeah. as much time on social media as I did, and uh, you boys alerted me to it. And yeah, mm. I again, the first thing I saw. I think the first thing I saw was the fundraiser. Yeah, so then I was going, well, what's happened to Ivan Phillips? Yeah. And then obviously I started looking into it. And then this is how, <laughs> how off the speed, off the pace I am sometimes is I didn't know he was Kevin Phillips' son. I would have. No oh, well that's great. Man. I would have well definitely had you down for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, no idea. Oh, that, no, that, the thing that's is, he, he, he hasn't even shaved his head. How can he be <laughs> Kevin Phillips' son? But um, no, yeah, tragic. Was, I mean, was, such a promising player as well. Play. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he had all the hallmarks of a of a you know a guy who was going to play for Wales at twenty seven or twenty eight or something and and be really really good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Really awful. 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 Yeah. No, it, it is absolutely, and um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those where you don't know you don't know the full story. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as as Murph said, Murph, Murph didn't. Murph and I didn't know half the story before uh, while it had happened. Yeah. But you, you, you're never going to know until you know until the the club and the family release something. And so you just you just hope for the best possible news. Yeah, hope. Yeah, it's just fingers crossed that it's it's just you can't play rugby and not yeah. completely life changing or debilitating. Just something that means he can't you know carry on being a professional rugby player, and uh, the rest of his life is okay. You know. Yeah. No. So it's, uh, it's um. It's very, very sad stuff. Um, what do you want to do for the last couple of minutes of the show? Uh, do you want to take a look at next week's fixtures or would you rather I open a random page of the Rothmans Rugby Yearbook? Uh, both of those, actually. But I, I was just going to say, I, I sort of fancied the Ospreys yesterday because yeah. um, the um, sale haven't gone well this year. And uh, when, when I was watching, I, I haven't seen the game, but when I was watching the score, I think they were 21-3 behind in no time at all. And then I so for that reason, then I opened up the live score type of thing to, to see what was going on, and I just looked at the team sheets, and the um, Ospreys back row was Will Griffiths, uh, Levi Roots, is that his name, Levi, uh, and um, Ethan uh, Roots, yeah. Martin Martin Morgan uh, Morris. Morris, yeah, Martin Morris, <laughs> Martin uh, Morris. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, that's fine. But when you look at the sale back row, then mm. they got two Curries and yep. a Dupria yep. up against Levi Roots, Will Griffiths, and Martin Morris, and and that I think is, I mean, it, they they played well to, from what I understand, played well to come back uh, to make it close, but um, the right was on the wall from the selection, I think, a little bit. The, the back rows just didn't match up at all. It is one of those areas. What I, yeah, I, sorry, go, sorry, yes, go ahead. I, I saw I saw bits of it, and there it just um, sales sales defense is is sturdy. They might be struggling in in a, in the prem, but they looked aggressively uh, dominant off the off the off the off the off their sort of blitzing defense, basically, and it didn't look like uh, Ospreys had any way around them in any way, shape, or form. To be honest, they were out they were out muscled in. In terms of trying to find a way through Prothero, it is usual kind of you know cameo darting 
sort of stuff and and but it didn't look um yeah it didn't look like they had any real they were certainly weren't ospreys were not robbed and they did fight their way back in but it wasn't particularly um yeah it, it was an opportunity for them to stamp to, to kind of actually build some momentum again and uh, they, they didn't take that opportunity they're a very strange team this year the ospreys yeah, it is. I mean, it's interesting that back row that you mentioned there, Murph, as well, because it's um, it's no disrespect to, to any of those players, because I think uh, particularly six and eight, they're decent prospects. I, I've been thoroughly underwhelmed by Ethan Roots, but um, the the other two, you know, I think I think Griffiths has been a you know really good um, squad player in the mould of that kind of cracknell player who will turn out and always put a good shift in for you. Morgan Morris, I think, is a really good prospect, but in games like this, you need players like. Tipperick on the pitch. You need Alan Wynne Jones on the pitch. You need Lydiot. You need oh, you need Lydiot. You need players who can who've been to uh, to the higher you know to the highest level and and um, and and actually I think the back row is is probably that that weakest area for the Ospreys. Actually, I think you well, know, Jack Mo- Jack Morgan was supposed to play and then cried boss. off at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. and he, you know, he, I mean, but it's a lot of that pressure. would have been interesting to see him up against one of the Curries. Mm. It's a lot of pressure on a 21, 22 year old, though, isn't it? To go, right, I need you to put in a, the kind of shift that a Tipperick would do for us. And, um, but, you know, yeah. like I say, I think, I think Morgan is, you know, Morgan's a, I, I'm such a, I'm such a massive fan of him. And, um, uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, it, it's, um, it's those things that are missing in the Ospreys squad. I don't know, I'm starting to sound like a bit of an Ospreys apologist now, and it's, it's difficult without <laughs> seeing that game. But um, a lot of the, you're right, they're a funny team this year, Murph, because when they win, they grind out results and don't look, not, and don't yeah. do anything in the backs. Not that long ago, they, they beat Munster at home, yeah. and it was an amazing game. You know, people like Reese Davis and where have you, just, uh, I think I said on here, Bradley Davis are amazing, but uh, uh, they, they, they've also beat that. Connacht game away, I think mm. it was. Oh yeah, horrible. And, but then, but then they've also done the Lions at home, but they were just a shambles. What, one um, of the South African sides, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, a South African team named after an animal. That's uh, that seems to be the kind of blueprint for rugby um, PR that we've been yeah, talking it's a lot generic. of time about PR. It's generic. It's, it's pick an animal and stick it on the back of our city name, and then if a sponsor come in drop the city name but, yeah and no one knows yeah. where the fuck we come from yeah. and that's us but crucially, where's, my, where's my wages yeah. the thing is i know i i know what a toyota is more than i know who the fucking cheetahs are you know it's like it's um it's just yeah it, i don't know it's it's and but also i know i know where johannesburg is it's a famous place right i know yeah. where cardiff is i uh, yeah i don't know man we've we've gone down some um Anyway, a few avenues, haven't we? Anyway, Rothmans. Um, Right. What was the options? Rothmans or restructuring Uh, of the league? I think Rothmans every single day. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll definitely, we'll definitely go for that. Right. Um, (laughs) Let us go for. Oh, what's this? Right. Uh, I I think it has to, it has to be Welsh related until we've exhausted everything. Um, Well, we've only done one season, so I mean. Well, all we did was the cup final, wasn't it? Actually, exactly. So yeah. right, let's ha- let's have a look. <laughs> I'm going to do the immortal lines of talk amongst yourself, Murph. Um, but you actually have got someone to talk to this time around, which uh, yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. have last time. No, right. and let- weirdly, I did a better job on my own <laughs> talking amongst myself. <laughs> Why don't we go to the Five Nations of uh, of this year? Let's do that, shall we? 
Let's go to the Five Nations of 94, 95. Do you have any memories of that off the top of your head? Oh, that was, I was at the enemy at that time, and I don't think wow. that I'd anything, I don't think anything outside <laughs> of the world, outside of the embryonic world of Britpop, me- meant anything to me whatsoever. Outside of being taken into the Hacienda. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I got yeah. a story about that. Oh no! It was it wasn't that ninety four ninety five. It was ninety three. Um, ninety three. I played a morning game at the Wanderers with a, a guy called John Bunyan and a guy called Peter Rogers, who were both just club players at the Wanderers. And Peter Rogers drove us into town to watch the game. Uh, parked up somewhere. I can't remember where. Well, no one does. Uh, went into the game. Wales beat England ten nine. We went in the bank after. Remember the bank. <laughs> And I had a yeah. good time. And um, the following week, we went to training, and Peter Rogers still couldn't find his car. Didn't know where he'd left it. And uh, <laughs> this might be the telling stories out of, you know, what goes on tour, stays on tour, and everything. But he actually, I think he actually went to a hypnotist in 93 <laughs> to see if he could remember where his car was in Poncana or, or Riverside. Or, it was probably right outside the Coldstream pub, which is now gone. Uh, and yeah, he never found it. He never found his car again. So that was that was my story from Wales, England, nineteen ninety. That's way better than the Rossman story. Unless we've got <laughs> yeah. something to come up. <laughs> well, we'll see. I was all I was going to do is say, Murph, which uh, which musical publication were you working for at the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, right. don't think I was. I don't think I was very employable in the nineties or. <laughs> Or now, well, um, which which leads us seamlessly on to the uh, to the Wales side that took on France in Paris in January of this year. Oh man! All right, here we go. The score was France twenty-one, Wales nine. Okay, uh, I'm going Olivia Moore, Olivia Moore, headbutt. Yes, I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're on Ricky the, Evans, yeah. the fireman, out right. broke his leg on the way down to the ground. That is correct. So, so now all we're going to do now is fill in the blanks. Yes, no problem. Wow, that, I, I'm done on that. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's a brilliant, brilliant. Memory. Olivia Merle used to give it. Olivia Merle is in the same category for me as uh, Andrew Kembry. It is he it yeah. absolutely fucking petrifies me. And I don't know what they do now. I imagine Olivia Merle and Andrew Kembry are both in a high security prison in America somewhere I, where yeah. they, they're not allowed to have any. <laughs> any metal objects within a hundred meters of them they just live in a cage there's less but, chance of olivia Merle drinking in for, rat, drinking in shady boozers in cardiff <laughs> isn't there for all i know they're both like primary school teachers i don't know but in my in my in my imagination they, they just eat raw animals and um yeah petrified yeah. Uh, andrew kembra used to really scare me that, uh, but that, that was that. Uh, that is what this game was famous for. It was disgusting, wasn't it? The um, and he, I yeah, think yeah. he successfully sued him later, didn't he? Or they were set there, or yeah, or prosecuted or something. I'll I'll have to look that up and clarify that at the end. But it was yeah, it, yeah. it ended Ricky Evans's career, didn't it? Was, um, oh really? I oh, so. I didn't realize that. He, well, he I was mean, one of those late flourishing props that used to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, they'd come into their own when they were about thirty-two. And then have three great seasons, you know. I certainly don't ever remember him playing for Wales after that. No, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure it ended his um his yeah. international career. Right. Okay. So what was the Welsh fifteen? Okay. So you well, got R- Ricky Evans at three. Okay. Um. Uh, Ninety-five. Yeah. Jonathan Humphreys. 
not Jonathan Humphreys. Uh, one of your mob, Yestin. Mm. No, sorry. Oh, I'm... Garin? Yeah, it was Garin. Well, Garin was already there. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Ricky Evans was uh, was loose head, by the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, right. Ga- Garin was... Uh, yeah, Garin was... Uh, so two. this might be John Davis, one of John Davis's early caps where yeah. he had his uh, fl- flying wings. It was John Davis, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it might have been his later cap, actually. But anyway, uh, so that means second row, mid-90s second row. Now, one of these made uh, an awful lot of appearances for Wales, and uh, one of these has, so one of these has made an awful lot of money out of Welsh rugby players. Oh, Derwin Jones and Gareth Llewellyn. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Back row is going to be Richard Webster back from league. No. Mate... <laughs> It's the I'm same. Not, it's the same year, but from last year. <laughs> How could that be the case? You're obsessed with '95. It's the only book I've got. <laughs> oh right. Oh, it's I the same book. No, oh, it's the same. No, no, no. It's the same book. Okay. Um, I misunderstood the yeah. premise altogether. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Stuart Davis would have been in the side. Correct. Okay. Uh, uh, I was going to say Richie Collins. It's too late for Richie I Collins. I was going to say, yeah. He was Is there he still there? in all his glory. Right. Uh, but yeah. So we're looking for a six. Oh, Martin, the aforementioned Martin Morris? No. <laughs> no. Nathan Budget. No, too early for Nathan Budget. Um, we are looking, <laughs> yeah. We're actually looking for an eight. I think Stuart Davis played at six on this okay. occasion. We're oh, wow. oh Emmett Lewis. Okay. No, a, a, a previous guest on this show, actually, believe it or not. No, that's confused me, that half. Jamie Roberts was playing eight in the mid nineties. I mean, come on. Uh, a previous guest on yeah. this show. And I have to say, he was a really, really thoroughly nice bloke. Um, yeah, fa- famous, famous Welsh player. Perhaps more famous for playing in the row than at eight. But did he? Did both? Paul Arnold? No. No. What am I on about? Oh, this is hard. He'd been a guest on this show. Mm. Perhaps you didn't listen to this one. Doubt you. I mean, I doubt I missed it. John Taylor. John Taylor has been on this show. <laughs> um, yeah, twenty years after he retired, came out to play. Di, Di Bishop. It was not Di Bishop. It was it's Phil Davis. Oh, I forgot he'd been on. Yeah. Um, the backs I think should be considerably easier. So Arwell Thomas is playing um, tent. No? no, this is the, is this not the same game where he. Punched the scrum off. Uh, no, a different year, that was, is it? That was um, a few years later, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, Rob Jones is still going. Rob Jones is going. That means the 10 would have been... 90s... Was it too early for Neil Jenkins? Neil no. Jenkins. Yeah, absolutely. Right. The, Neil Jenkins. The left winger has been mentioned on this show already tonight. Estin, you really let me down here. I know. I'm, I'm, like I said, he's, I was, he's I was, not lying, was, is he? You got no idea. <laughs> I was fashioning. Hang on, I got Garin. I, you was, did, I was yeah. fashioning. Brit, I was fashioning the 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 Brit pop revolution. At the time. <laughs> you could probably name the bass player in every minor. I, yeah, Brit I, pop I, if you want to know who was, <laughs> who was lining up for who was lining up for Sleeper. I was going to say who's the, whether... Sleeper was going to be my choice. Who was the bass player in Sleeper? Actually, I don't know. Ah! But Louise, Louise lives nearby. She's super cool, isn't she? Yeah. And John, I know John and Louise. So, you know, I mean, what can I say? There we go. Um, right, come on, left left wingers, you know this. 
Stop talking. Um, stop talking about Britpop, Murph. Sorry, I just wanted to ask some <laughs> questions about the band Manson. Then. <laughs> oh no, they no. weren't Britpop. No, no, they, no, they, they weren't. To... No, they were just. In they the they 90s. were a British band in the nineties. A British indie yeah. band in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just a bit of a blur, though, isn't it? Uh, left good. winger. Oh yeah, that wasn't <laughs> deliberate. I promise. Um, left winger. Uh, what did we mention him? Alan Harris, Sammy Davis. Played for Swansea as well, no? Oh. This um, this guy is in a senior position at the WIE. Nigel Walker. Nigel Walker. Oh, yeah, Ian Evans would have been on the other wing. It, actually, he wasn't. I think he'd um, he'd broken his leg or something at this point in time. Uh, right. He was definitely injured. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right wing is a bit tougher. Did only Simon, have... Simon Hill. Simon Hill's correct. Absolutely. Wow, well done. I thank you all. Uh, so was Tony Clement still going at fullback? He no. was going at fullback. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, 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 well. Long, now we're going to pick the French the side. We're going to pick the French um, side. We don't have to pick the French side. No, hang on. I, I could have a stab. You still, at got, that. you still got the centres, and I will make you have a stab at it. Just because it's okay. going to. Mike Hall. Mike Hall is correct. Oh, I forgot the centres. Right. Oh, 12 for afternoon, are we? And 12 is a. Um, yeah. Nigel Davis. No, a, a real favourite player of mine. Played a long time after this. This must have been his first season, I guess. <laughs> All right. um, first season. Oh, uh, Lee Davis. No. Ah. Oh. No, I'm struggling. I don't remember this. So this says that this guy was playing for Ponypool at the time. I remember. Oh, him. Mark Taylor. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember him. Yeah, 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 yeah. His was, dad was yeah. coached at Ponypool. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can tell you a story. Do you want to hear a story? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It depends. Don't how, it depends how much is going to ruin the rest of yesterday's yeah. evening. My generous right, yeah, right. Let's, let's, uh, okay. so. let's uh, let's let let's let you Let's let Yestin depart while you uh, while you guess the French side. Yestin, you 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 go and have your dinner. It's been a a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll chat to you, see you soon. Later. Say bye. Yeah. Uh, this this should be the pa- this should be a Patreon bit, mate, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love to see how many people are sticking on for the last two and a half minutes of this show while you guess the for, French side. There's some lovely players. There's some lovely so, players in here. So let's just go to my, my favourite. It, it might be too late because wrong era, but Lauren Caban, was he playing seven? Lauren Caban was, yes. Yeah. And he was a brilliant I think player. Yeah. I think excellent. Back row was superb, actually. Okay. So back row, Lauren Caban. So uh, I'm imagining Lauren Rodriguez is gone by then. Lauren Rodriguez was gone, yes. Number eight. So who would the number eight be? Because that's all 80s, isn't it? Like Eric Schomp and all them. Yeah, they're all gone by now. Huh. It's too early for Emmanuel Aronodeke because he was only a puppy in 99. Yeah, too far too early for him. Uh, now I'm struggling now. Uh, oh, uh, Abdelatif Benazi. He was number six. What yeah, a yeah. monster. He was, yeah, an absolute How could you brute. have him on the blind side? He was absolutely huge. It doesn't matter what he's wearing on his back. He's hitting you like he's hit, you know, like getting yeah. hit by a phone box. Yeah, uh, we've mentioned Olivier Merle. We have, so... and uh, someone, his namesake in the second row as well. Another Olivier. Mm. Uh-huh. Rumor. Rumor, yeah. It's not. Thank well, you. it wasn't going to be Mel Haggard, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lawrence. Um, <laughs> uh, so the front row is going to be Masso and people like that. Um, it's not. Uh, uh. There is a brilliant. Uh, the tight head was brilliant. One of the first modern tight head props, actually. 
Oh, Califano. Califano, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh Califano. well, okay. Surprised myself there. Um, uh, yeah, you're still missing number eight, by the way. Yeah, I don't think we'll come back to that. Join it. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Philippe Benetton. All oh, right. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, he started that team in Italy after. He's, he did. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so we're just missing a hooker. You're missing a hooker and, then, and a loose head. And then I can yeah. move on to the backs that I haven't got a clue on. Uh, oh, yeah, you get the backs. You're missing right. a hooker and a loose head. The loose head, I don't remember at all. Uh, actually, all right. I don't remember the hooker either. All right. But okay, I would have been nine. So my interest yeah. in, in front row. It was it was um, Benazesh was the, the loose head. Oh, that's a, that's an obscure one. Is it? Is, yeah. yeah. And Gonzalez yeah. was the hooker. And I, I don't right. remember. I definitely don't okay. remember. Um, right, okay. So number nine. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of nines. They rotated in the nineties, and yeah, this guy it begins was with a C, though. Carbono. It wasn't Carbono, but he would have been similar era. Right. Uh... Well, Galtier was playing then. Galtier was, and this is basically the other one. Right. <laughs> Can't remember the other one. Uh, Guy Cossaberry. All right. No, no, no chance. Right. Okay, Christophe Lamaison was playing ten. It wasn't Lamaison, but it was a Christophe. Ah, uh, Ribeiro. No, no, too. Was he Christoph? I don't know. No, I don't think he was. Um, uh, no, Christoph Dalo. Oh, right. Yeah. All right, okay, Dalo, yeah. Ah, no, you get, so, you'll get the, you should get the wingers. I get the 90s wingers. Oh, uh, yeah. Bernard Sal. No, too early for him, but the... Uh... Dominici? No, too early for him. Oh, right. Uh, I'm, I'm trapped in the late 90s here. What was... Uh, yeah, well, who does, uh, who does Combo Vero put in for that magnificent try at Twickenham? Oh, uh, Philippe Saint-André, obviously. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other wing, the, the ones I always remember is when I was a kid, so that's La Gisquet, but that's No, you'll the, remember the, this the guy. The Express and all that. you remember so, this guy because we know his son very well now as well. Oh, yeah, Emile Intermac. Emile yeah, Intermac yeah, was yeah, on yeah, the right. Of course, of course, of course. Of course, it's the it World Cup year. It was World Cup year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, uh, two uh, yeah, which, who was the, I think he might have been top scorer at the World Cup, actually, the, the inside centre. Goal kick in 12. Huh. Ended up at Harlequins for a Richard bit. Richard Dorth. Richard no. Dorth. Yeah, that was a bit later, I think. Yeah. I'm struggling. Thierry Lacroix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the outside. That's kind of, to me, in my memory, Thierry Lacroix and Christophe Lamazin are the same person. <laughs> They're both interchangeable 10 yeah. 12s. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the outside centre is only one person because he is an absolute legend. Philippe Seller. Philippe Seller. And, and then the, the fifteen. The fullback was a very good fullback, actually, and I, I don't know how many caps he got, but he was. Uh... Oh, yeah. Was uh... Hmm. Uh, Jean Baptiste Lafond. It was not Jean Baptiste Lafond. Um no. Jean Luc Sardonnay. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah. He was one of those who was interchangeable on the wing as well. Was he? I don't. I don't. Remember. I always remember him playing um, fullback, but yeah. Maybe. Maybe. There, there you have it. Beautiful. What I, a wonderful I, I, way to end. I have to say, I'm, I'm very disappointed in Yestin's effort in this Rothmans thing. Yeah, I thought it'd be all over this, but I think we're going to need the 84-85 version in order to, <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, the, yeah. the true best out of Yestin yeah. when he's he's uh, regaling us with stories of uh, Byron yeah. Mugford and the likes. And Yeah, and his uh, NME era. So um... Yeah, that's it. Maybe we need the NME, the NME annual from, uh, from, this, <laughs> from this era in time. Yeah. Okay, that's a long pod. It is. An hour and 20 minutes, mate. Thank you very much. Oof. Boom. 
Uh, well, thank you to Murph. Thank you to Yestin, who uh, wisely got out before we started uh, doing that. Thank you if you're listening at this point in time. That's a, that's a seriously good effort. Um, uh, and as always, a thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee to keep you awake during these podcasts, you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back to chat rugby with you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.